welcome, bienvenidos, hola, aloha, ni hao, namaste, konnichiwa, bonjour, bonjourno, sawadee kurup, guten tak, jau weevee vakat bang, afadee, jai janendra, priviet, salam, shalom, peace, now, go vegan, peace, how, go vegan. This is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, the first vegan talk show ever since 2001. No artificial intelligence added. Um, I may have to turn on the fan uh, if it gets uh, too stuffy in here today uh, or to drown out the neighbor's music. They've been, they've been having a party today. I'll either turn on the fan to... Uh, to drown that out, or uh, call 1-800-PARTY-SNITCH and have Mayor uh, Garcetti turn off their power and water. Uh, what a party pooper uh, he's turned out to be, right? And, uh, wow, he can spoil all your food. Did You know, when we vote for people, do we, do we want to give them the right to spoil our food? Um, and um, he can prevent you from washing your hands after throwing out all your spoiled food. Pretty amazing, huh? I'm assuming that the neighbor's refrigerator is full of meat, dairy, fish, and eggs. So uh, I'll, I'll be doing them a favor by calling 1-800-PARTY-SNITCH, uh, which is good practice for when I start calling 1-800-VACCINE-SNITCH, and start telling Homeland Security about which neighbors are declining to take the coronavirus vaccine when it is being distributed. Uh, Department of Homeland Security would never suspect a vaccine informant to be someone also refusing the vaccine, right? So anyway, are you going to take it uh, voluntarily? Will you allow Bill Gates to penetrate you with his Microsoft prick of your skin? Um, it almost seems like a mass planetary rape. Bill Gates wants to penetrate everyone around the world with his Microsoft, uh, Microsoft uh, prick of the skin. Um, all your records chipped into you um so you can be scanned as you know for con convenience uh, instead of show us your papers it's uh, show us your uh, chip and uh then you can be waved through uh uh commandant uh, de blasio's checkpoints into new york city and uh i don't know i think i think we need to know specifically in in uh, politicians platforms in the future uh, whether they intend to set up checkpoints uh, or uh, spoil all your food. It would just be nice to know. Um, I don't know. Do you think one can call oneself vegan if he or she gets vaccinated? Is uh, being vegan only related to what you ingest by mouth and you get a pass for what you allow to pass um, into your skin, through your skin. Um, certainly, you would never eat the ingredients of a vaccine. So why would it be okay if, uh, you know, by a prick? Uh, 
of your skin. Uh, are you aware of the typical vaccine ingredients? And of course, we don't know what added surprises will be in the COVID-19 concoction, uh, trying to combat a virus uh, completely unknown until recently created in a Wuhan laboratory or uh, in a bowl of uh, uh, hearty, delicious uh, bath soup from a, a wet market. Uh, it's been said uh, that this new virus will alter your DNA. Um, and already Bill Gates is saying that uh, the elderly will be required to be um, penetrated multiple times. So uh, what up to now have been the typical vaccine ingredients, you ask? Well, I tell, I respond, I say that normally in vaccines you would find animal parts. Ooh, that starts off not being all that vegan, right? So um, pig blood, urine, monkey kidney cells, aborted human fetal cells, insect cells, and then you have your uh, neurotoxins mixed in, you know, for added flavor, like mercury, aluminum, formaldehyde, um, there's egg protein, um, antibiotics, E. coli, polysorbate 80, spermicide, latex rubber, um, sorbitol detergent, uh, sorbitol detergent, GMO soy, GMO yeast, MSG, um, what else, uh, uh, glutanaldehyde, glu glutaraldehyde, glutanaldehyde, um, to some sort of disinfectant, and barium. And, of course, uh, there would be dead virus cells or live virus cells. I know that this all sounded basically like, uh, you know, the menu uh, for lunch at Denny's, but it's not. Um, so those are, uh, doesn't sound very vegan to me, you know, and... Uh, I don't know if if you're a vegan, you know. Come on, man. You you read the labels to avoid animal ingredients everywhere else and unhealthy ingredients. So do you say yes to Bill Gates' uh, uh, prick of your skin? Um, and then did you hear about this guy who uh, was a test subject for the new vaccine who went on? the terror vision networks, the uh, CNN enemy of the people, and MSNBCIA, um, which were really good choices uh, for him uh, to tell his story. Let me see if I can find that screen here. This was uh, published in STAT, and the headline, he experienced a severe reaction to Moderna's uh, vaccine, but he's still a believer. Now, I heard somewhere, some, some interview passed me by on my computer, and I, I can't seem to find it. I'm sure it's censored by Google. But it, uh, now tell me if, if you heard about this. Now, this is all just word of mouth, so I'm not really quoting a study, but I thought that I heard it said that 100% of people 
uh, tested uh, for the new vaccine uh, became ill and 20% of them had to be hospitalized. And uh, it was an interview with Bill Gates. I can't find it. I don't know where it was. And he was very defensive and he was saying, oh, something like, well, you know, maybe a lot of people will experience severe pain. Um, but I can't find it when I uh, gerbils it. I mean, Google it. So uh, I don't know. Do you know where it is? Can you help me find it? Anyway, so instead it says he experienced a severe reaction to Moderna's uh, COVID-19 vaccine. He's still a believer. And it says, uh, patients in clinical trials, I'm quoting here, uh, patients in clinical trials are usually faceless. Um, well, <laughs> aren't we all faceless these days? Nobody has a face. Um, in fact, from what I understand, uh, the human face by evolution now uh, is obsolete. Uh, we, we don't need it anymore. It's uh, like your appendix. So, um, yeah, you, we, we don't really need our faces anymore. It was quick human evolution. And, uh, you know, in, instead of, uh, you know, eating with your mouth, you will get a Bill Gates uh, breakfast vaccine, Bill Gates lunch vaccine, and Bill Gates dinner vaccine um, every day um, to replace eating and um, to replace talking. Um, your, your thoughts will be displayed in a Microsoft Word document on your forehead. And uh, to replace your nose, which is uh, unnecessary now, um, unless you're nostalgic for smells, um, you will have uh, a steady stream of digital uh, Bill Gates farts 24-7 uh, for you to enjoy uh, via your new uh, olfactory uh, chip. Um, but I digress. Um, back to stat here. So it says, patients in clinical trials are usually faceless. And that's where I said, isn't everybody faceless now? And then I got distracted, but now I'm going to continue. It says, but uh, as the experimental COVID-19 vaccine being developed by Moderna Therapeutics has begun uh, advancing through studies, it has found a much more visible advocate. Trial volunteer Ian Hayden, a 29-year-old in Seattle. Hayden has spoken about the vaccine on CNN and CNBC. Oh, did I say MSNBCIA earlier? I meant CNBCIA. Um, so you know everything will be honest. You know, uh, you know Hayden has uh, spoken about the vaccine on CNN <laughs> and CNBC. Um, he even said he'd volunteered to be exposed to the novel coronavirus SARS. COV2, if researchers want to test to see if the vaccine was actually effective. But up until now, he has left out a key detail. He is apparently one of uh, pe the people in the trial who had a systemic adverse reaction to the vaccine. Twelve hours after receiving his second dose, he developed a fever of more than 103 degrees, sought medical attention, and after being released from
from an urgent care facility, fainted in his home. Uh, it says he recovered within a day. Uh, it says uh, he has not brought up the uh, side effects previous, previously, he said, out of, quote, an abundance of caution. Uh, continuing to quote him, he said, I understand that sharing the story, it's uh, going to be frightening to some people, he said. I hope that it doesn't fuel any sort of general antagonism toward vaccines in general or toward even this vaccine, end quote. So uh, there you have it. Another uh, <laughs> dishonest story on the Mitia, um, this person suffering adverse reactions to uh, virus testing, but not talking about it because uh, he doesn't want you to worry about it, you know? Uh, of course, he, wh why isn't he worried about you developing a big fever there and uh, possibly fainting, you know, driving behind the wheel, whatever. Okay, anyway, um, I don't know. Strange human behavior. But then again, that can be said about so much of today's human behavior that one would wonder... Why, why we would add another vaccine into the mix, all the vaccines already, in addition to the meat, dairy, fish, and eggs. Ah, everything's a bit off course here. And, uh, I don't know, um, it's amazing how, how this event, this amazing event, uh, can affect really everyone around the world, isn't it? I mean, it's, uh, who would have imagined? Who would have imagined that the entire world would shut down um, and uh, some company in China would make a fortune off of selling uh, face masks? I wish I were a face mask salesperson. Why didn't my high school guidance counselor at Stuyvesant High School in New York City tell me in the future? Uh, well, what are you going to do? Always, always choosing the... The wrong career path for me. I could have been the program director at the Wave in Los Angeles. But I went to a little rinky-dinky station in Atlanta instead. And uh, the decisions... Uh, oh, okay. Not going to regret past decisions here. Let's, uh, let's live in the moment here. And uh, again, uh, quite amazing how just really everyone around the world, people and other animals, all affected... Um, from a small elephant sanctuary in Thailand, run by a bunch of vegans, um, with whom we will talk today. We'll talk to the founder um, on today's show, Ava Lalancet, from the Never Forget Elephant Foundation. What a great name, huh? Right? Well, both of them, actually, Lalancet and Never Forget Elephant Foundation. Um so, humans and animals everywhere affected. Um, many animals in the, uh, in the food chain affected. Um, looking at an article here in Sentient Media, Sentient News, which 
I really appreciate a, a lot of what a lot of the content that's sentient media, but uh, you know, I always I always have a complaint about something, um, and maybe I'll get to it. <laughs> maybe I'll get to it in a few moments here. Um, so there's this article in the sentient media. Post-COVID-19, let's forge new normal for farmed animals. And uh, so it says, more than 20 million farmed animals could be needlessly put to death during the pandemic. Uh, it doesn't have to be that way. Well, needlessly put to death, uh, I think all farmed animals are needlessly put to death uh, pandemic or no pandemic, actually, eating meat, dairy, and eggs, meat, dairy, eggs, and fish, eating meat, dairy, eggs, and fish is totally needless. Nobody needs, nobody needs. Um, so let's, uh, let's look at this article here, too. Okay. So far, I haven't had to turn the fan on, but, uh, whew, it's getting a little stuffy in here. Uh, luckily, the neighbors uh, cut out the music. I didn't want to. I didn't want to have to snitch. One hundred party snitch. Um, so this article here by Andrew Scourin. Is it Scourin? S K O W R O N. Wow, I haven't heard that name. I was a huge Yankee fan as a kid. And uh, in the early 60s, well, I can tell you every uh, Yankee player and uh, his uniform number uh, from uh, 1960, 61 or so. And I haven't heard the name Scourin since then. Bill Scourin was the first base person for the New York Yankees, number 14 on his uniform. Totally irrelevant to our current discussion other than... Um, did you see Fauci throw out the, the first ball? Like, it's a little hard to trust him, trust our lives and health to him, considering, whew, could he have put a little more practice into the pitch to, like, try to keep it in, in the stadium? Back to the article here in uh, Sentient Media. It says, in a recent CNN report, so you know this is going to be totally believable once again. In a recent CN Enemy of the People report, uh, Minnesota hog farmer Doc Haim stood next to his son and said, quote, We put down sick pigs because you feel sorry for them. Um, his voice choked with emotion. He continued, But to have a healthy pig and to take a rifle and shoot it, it's unreal, as he broke into tears. And, uh, of course, uh, that basically means uh, to, to take profits and shoot them with a rifle. Now, that's what's really unreal, uh, because I think the tears are for, for the profits that will be missed. Uh, well, all of the animals have to be killed because, you know, you've had all these slaughterhouses and meatpacking plants closed, and uh, they are hotbeds of... COVID for the workers, so there aren't enough workers to process the animals. So, uh, so we have this situation where we now we cry for the animals, right? We we wouldn't cry. Oh, and by the way, uh, 
that's considered totally humane to uh, to shoot a pig in the head. Considered humane. Um, so yeah, they said he said he had to humanely destroy many of the pigs there. Back to this article here. It says uh, in April and May, as COVID nineteen uh, continued its tear across the United States, infections and deaths of workers and USDA inspectors soared, and more than 20 U.S. slaughterhouses closed as they became hotspots for virus transmission. The Holmes hog farm typically shipped 700 hogs every week to a Smithfield, a Smithfield plant in uh, uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. As the weeks dragged on, they tried to keep their hogs weight down by restricting their diet, a corner-cutting method used by many farmers during the crisis. Then they started to run low on money for feed. And so the homes, like thousands of other farmers across the country, ran out of options. They started killing their animals. Uh, while the hymns de uh, declined to say how they killed their pigs, uh, several reports from other farms state that farmers are piping hot air and carbon dioxide through barn ventilation systems, known as ventilation shutdowns, or VSD, um, animals uh, die from a combination of suffocation and uh, roasting to death after hours of suffering. In other instances, farmers are shooting pigs in the head to make room for new arrivals. So, doesn't that sound familiar? Um, basically, uh, ba you know, uh, the, the hot air and uh, carbon dioxide, that sounds like breathing through a mask, doesn't it? I think that's what everybody's doing. We're we're breathing in our own hot air and carbon dioxide. It can't be that healthy. I have to say, I've looked at some studies, and they do seem to to say that masks are ineffective. That you know they can't. The vi viruses are so tiny they can pass through. They they can't they can't block the masks are not effective, but. Anyway, they're, they're effective in uh, making you breathe your own hot air and carbon dioxide. Of course, not as intensely and deadly as what's happening to pigs. And of course, as I said, when they get shot in the head, that is considered a humane method of uh, killing. Uh, back to this article here. In May, Iowa Select Farms in rural Grundy County... Uh, decided to mass kill their surplus pigs through VSD. An employee disturbed by the cruelty contacted Matt Johnson, an investigator with Berkeley-based animal rights group Direct Action Everywhere, um, and in a gut-wrenching video um, taken May 19th, workers are seen sealing the barn door shut and pumping in superheated steam. Pigs can be heard screaming in agony. Uh, 
This goes on all night, and in the morning, workers uh, dispatch, uh, uh, dispatch, uh, that's a nice word for uh, kill, any survivors with a captive bolt gun. And again, captive bolt gun is considered humane. Pretty amazing what is considered humane. Uh, definitely what's not humane is humane in our crazy world. So, okay, back to this article here. And, and by the way, that sealing the door shut, right? Kind of like, uh, you know, what, what could happen to, uh, to people in the future here in a, in a pandemic? Or, you know, they did that in China. They uh, locked people in their houses. They sealed the door shut. And bye-bye. Uh, um, it can never happen here, right? It can never happen here. Uh, and, you know, it, it, it's so awful. I mean, everybody gets so upset. Oh, they're pumping in hot air. The pigs are roasting alive. You know, they're getting carbon dioxide. Can, can't we just hang them by a leg and slit their throats the normal way? The normal way that they die, the happy way? Can't we just be cutting their throats? This is so sad. So sad that they have to breathe steam instead of having their throats cut. So sad that, you know, they're, they're not going into people's stomachs, uh, giving people cancer and heart disease and stroke. And so sad that they're not getting used the way they, they were intended. Right? So, uh, yeah, pr pretty amazing. It's awful all the time for the animals, pandemic or not. They always suffer and they always die, 100% of the time. So, but now we're upset because uh, we can't eat them. Uh, back to this article here. It says, across the factory farming industry, the body count is rising and it's not just pigs. The lack of employees at chicken processing plants is causing the mass slaughter of several million chickens nationwide. Some are being killed through ventilation shutdown. Others are dying an alternative uh, but uh, equally excruciating death. Workers release a rolling uh, carpet of firefighting foam on the uh, frightened birds, suffocating them as they struggle to escape. <sighs> Mass extermination and corporate greed, it says here in the article. And interestingly, years ago, I used to hang out at a vegan Chinese restaurant in San Francisco. What was it called? Bok choy. And uh, there was the owner was quite wise there. You know, often talked about animals. Uh, you know that we ingest uh, the terror that animals feel, the fear, um, the violence. Uh, we're ingesting that from animals. And he said to me, we're also ingesting the fear of annihilation. And, uh, well, here we are. Aren't we all fearing annihilation? 
um, extermination, annihilation from a little virus, a little virus caused by animal exploitation, whether it's from, you know, the, the Wuhan uh, wet market or the Wuhan laboratory. It was still exploitation of animals, exploitation of bats, apparently, in this case. Uh, let's see, back to this uh, article in Sentient Media, Mass Extermination and Corporate Greed. A quiet mass extermination is taking place across America with tens of millions of animals being shot, gassed, or bludgeoned because they are no longer profitable. Well, isn't there a quiet extermination, mass extermination going on in non-pandemic times when they hang them by a leg and slit their throat and they just bleed out and die? Um... That's 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 the happy killing. That, that's 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 we're longing for the good old days when you know we just cut their throats. Um, anyway, so it says, according to the Guardian, more than ten million hens have been killed, and ten million pigs will be killed within uh, the next four months. What happens to all these bodies? Some animals are buried in mass graves or simply left in barns with dirt bulldozed over them. At a dumping site in Minnesota, dead pigs are being ground up in industrial wood chippers with wood chips or straw um, piled into uh, mounds for composting and then uh, spread onto vineyard fields. So, you know, there's going to be a, 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 a good karma to the wine that comes from those vineyard fields, I tell you, right? So, oh, how awful the dead animals are being put into um, wood chippers, much like the live animals, like the all the male chicks in the cage-free egg industry were thrown into the wood chippers alive. Huh? And it can, it, continuing with this article here, how did we arrive at a place where such atrocities are not only committed, but deemed humane by the very industry that commits them? Well, I know how we got here. People eat meat, dairy, fish, and eggs. People are not vegan. This would not be happening if we had a vegan world, which, by the way, is the solution which achieves all the goals of just about every revolution going on at the moment out there, right? including, you know, health care, health care for all. What would happen to health care in the U.S. if we all went vegan? And then you have all these bankruptcies and people losing their homes. Why? Because of the uh, catastrophic illnesses caused by the consumption of meat, dairy, fish, and eggs. And the only way to save the planet from climate change and uh, deforestation, resource depletion, um, you name it, desertification, all of the vacations... The only way to address that is by people going vegan. Can we take a hint here now? But no, we're, we're all upset because uh, 
um, animals uh, who are going to be killed are uh, are being killed. But not the right way, not the nice way to do it, right? You know, baby pigs are often killed just by like slamming their heads on the ground. And people don't like that. So they're doing research on, you know, ways to make us feel better about the horrors that take place. So the only solution is going vegan. It's the only solution. Um, says here, COVID-19 has exposed the seamy underbelly of industrial agriculture, and it's not a pretty picture. The green pastures and uh, tidy bar barns of our memory are a far cry from today's industrialized farms where animals suffer in tightly packed uh, sorted conditions. Uh, so the article goes on to say, in the last half century, the consolidation of food production has concentrated power into the hands of a few mega corporations that produce food with little to no regard for the environment, food safety, and animal welfare. Which would be the case with family farms too, but you know people like to blame uh, you know factory farms as 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 if uh, family farms are any better, right? So, so here when it says uh, in the last half century the consolidation of food, blah 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 blah. Uh, so little to no regard for the environment, food safety, and animal welfare. So. There's a link here, you know, where it says animal welfare. I think I'll just click on where it says animal welfare here. And then, um, oh, and this link makes me upset with sentient media and sentient news. And I'm upset with the media uh, in general anyway. And... Uh, it's a little disturbing to me to uh, get a link in an article uh, to regard uh, this uh, so-called animal welfare favorably. So the link goes to, uh, what is it, uh, food print, and it says farm animal welfare. So this is a link from Sentient News, which I don't think is a proper link um, to have. It says, animals raised on factory farms often live in overcrowded, dirty, confined spaces subject to brutal physical manipulations and slaughtered inhumanely. Fortunately, there are alternatives with better farm animal welfare. So, um, this is very upsetting to me uh, because we know what a scam uh, we are being offered with the alternatives. It says, what is farm animal welfare? Animals have played a critical role in, I don't know, I think I'm getting upset. I don't know if I really want to, really want to go into this. Uh, let me see here. Overcrowding. This link is upsetting me. Um, and talks about all the horrible things happening uh, to animals on farms. And then, 
you know, this wants to, uh, yeah, I'm scrolling down here. And remember, humane slaughter, humane slaughter, what does that mean? You can shoot an animal in the head or use a uh, captive uh, bolt right into the head. And this link, this link from sentient media, sentient news, I don't know, very, very upsetting to me. Uh, here at the link, it says, higher farm animal welfare standards in confinement. See, but, but they, uh, all right, well, it says, by and large, even confinement even confinement operations with higher farm animal welfare standards are more stressed and less healthy for the animals than well-managed pasture. Okay, so here again, Sentient News sending us on a link to support uh, pasture raising of animals, uh, which uh, is an impossibility. There isn't enough pasture upon which to raise animals to meet demands for meat, dairy, and eggs. And uh, what does pasture raising cause? Uh, soil erosion. Um, there's still, uh, still uh, resources needed, massive amounts of water. And, you know, grass-fed cows produce... Uh, 100 to 400 percent the uh, greenhouse gases than their closely confined uh, cousins or brothers and sisters. You know, uh, all right. However, standards vary by industry, company, and buyer. So standards vary, so you really can't even trust when people are saying that uh, they have... Uh, higher standards um, and basically here it's t I believe it's talking about companies promising uh, to have uh, higher standards in the future and those promises never happen and even if they did no animals would ever know that things are better for them oh no wait go back ah okay um, and here, uh, another uh, part of that uh, article linked from Sentient Media, Sentient News. Profitability of more sustainable practices. Animals tend to be healthier in systems with higher farm animal welfare standards, which can lead to uh, reduced veterinary uh, spending and lower mortality rates. Uh, so, yay, we are contributing to the profitability of the meat, dairy, and egg industries by supporting supposed higher animal welfare. And they would never, the industry would never allow for higher animal welfare if it didn't make the industry more profitable. They can charge more money. They can say, oh, look, this is humane bacon and, you know. Uh, make a higher, uh, uh, you know, sell at a higher price. That's what the old uh, 
the guy who ran the Humane Society of the United States, Joe Maxwell, pig farmer, pig farmer vice president of the Humane Society of the United States, used to brag at how he got a much higher price for um, his pigs because they could he could label them humane. And then it turned out that his farm had uh, numerous uh, humane violations in itself. But you know, we 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 want you know we want to we want to hear good news. We want to know. We we want somebody to lie to us, um, so that we think uh, the animals don't suffer as much as they do uh, in their lives and in their deaths. But they do. What does it say here in this article linked from sentient media? Better farm animal welfare practices. With layers, consumer demand has led to commitments from many suppliers and legal requirements from states, uh, some states like California. So um, this has led to commitments to switch to all cage-free eggs Though like any change in large-scale agriculture, it will be complicated and will not happen overnight. Actually, it will probably never happen. Um, but the thing is, who cares? It's not good for the animals. Every single animal will be killed. It's all PR for the industry. And they always make commitments. We will be all cage-free and, you know, they five years or whatever and then five years come around and it's like oops sorry couldn't couldn't do it we, you know we'll, we'll commit these commitments are all ridiculous they're false and why would anybody be happy to hear about a commitment to cage-free eggs every single male is either dropped into a wood chipper or suffocated right after birth every female is mutilated, harshly imprisoned, so it's not a small cage with a few other birds. Maybe it's a big shed with 40, 50,000 other hens, and they're all, you know, killing each other, pecking at each other, um, breaking their legs. I mean, it's horrible in a cloud of ammonia. I mean, it's disgusting. The, you know, the, these are not campaigns for uh, animal advocates. These are campaigns for those who exploit animals, who want to get an animal rights seal of approval from people who have no right to be giving that seal, by the way. So anyway, and as with cage-free eggs, nobody gets out alive, 100% killed, 100% um, suffering, and 100% uh, and deception, too. You know, because they'll take a picture of the animals out in the field for a moment and then back inside. So anyway, uh, I've had it with this. Um, I've had it with this meat, dairy, fish, and egg eating. And it's got to stop. And so we will continue. We will continue with Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden until we have a vegan world and we can move away from uh, these these deceptions, you know. I mean, all torture, all murder, and we call it humane. And uh, anyway, so 
may I invite you, we, tr we try to be honest media here, um, and uh, we invite you to support us with a tax-deductible donation. You can find uh, the donate button at goveganradio.com. And uh, we're on Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, and Twitter at Go Vegan Radio. Although I'm really upset with uh, you know, the uh, censorship that's going on, the tech tyranny that, uh, I mean, they, they took off some doctors, you know, I mean, they're censoring doctors. They censored Michael Moore's new movie. They took that off, Planet of the Humans, that exposes how, um, what a scam, what a, what a scam, you know, the, the green energy industry actually is. That, you got to check out that movie from Michael Moore, Planet of the Humans. And uh, then, then when you see that solar is not the answer, wind is not the answer, um, you know, the, the biofuels, the biomass, the burning of trees, that's biomass, right? Fibbin Bill McKibben is not the answer, 350.org, Greenpeace, all of these organizations are not the answer. What it comes out to be... Hey, I'm just the messenger, but going vegan is the answer. <laughs> it's the only answer. Okay, so anyway, enough of me uh, at the moment. Uh, coming up, we're going to talk to Ava Lalancet of Never Forget uh, Elephant Foundation. Coming up on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. Our thanks for support from Vegetarian House, vegan restaurant in San Jose at 520 East Santa Clara Street, vegetarianhouse.com. And uh, you can uh, check, check them out on, uh, you know, on the website. You can order online, pay online. They'll bring uh, food out to you to your car. You can order organic groceries. Vegetarian House is 100% vegan, 100% organic. And I urge you, please, please, please support your local vegan restaurants, wherever you are. Support them. You know, get takeout. Do, do what you can. They are the treasures of, uh, of the community. We have to keep them in business. is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com on Facebook. Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. Thought I heard that before somewhere. And uh, on Twitter at Go Vegan Radio. And uh, you can support this uh, vegan education program with a tax-deductible donation at uh, GoVeganRadio.com. There's a donate button there. And uh, we also, well, in this time of need where the... Uh, COVID-19 pandemic seems to be affecting everyone 
all over the world. Uh, a, a lot of people and animals need our support. And, you know, as we've been saying over the weeks, if, if you can help a local vegan restaurant, please order takeout, do what you can. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe we're not thinking about how, uh, how this virus is affecting. Well, for example, uh, have we thought about maybe a small elephant sanctuary that's in Thailand and, uh, you know, how, how that could be affected uh, during this uh, pandemic. So I've been in touch with the people at Never Forget Elephant Foundation and would like to bring you their story today. And today um, we have the founder and executive director, Ava Lalancet. And uh, welcome, Ava. How are you today? Thank you so much, Bob. I'm doing well. How are you? Doing as as good as can be. That's, yes. Uh, yeah, as good as can be. So whatever that means. Um, so yeah. So um, tell us. Well, tell us about your um, sanctuary there, the um, Never Forget Elephant Foundation. And uh, sure. Yeah. How, how did it come to be? Yeah, sure. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having us on. Um, so I, I volunteered for a number of years in Thailand with um, helping with elephants. Um, you may be aware, you know, really um, exploited for tourism purposes in Thailand. Um, and it's really heartbreaking what happened to them. And they're basically used as a commodity that are and they're traded all throughout Thailand, um, including babies. Um, so it really is something that um, I've been passionate about for a long time. And I'd, I'd meet up with um, friends um, at different uh, uh, organizations in Thailand throughout the years. In December 2018, all of the stars just aligned <laughs> perfectly. And um, we decided to launch our own foundation. Um, and what we have done since then is we've been able to rescue 14 elephants from the tourism industry. So these are places where they're ridden, um, they're bathed. Um, people think that, oh, when I go to Thailand now, I don't want to ride elephants, but I want to bathe with them. Um, but the reality of, this, of the situation is that the elephants suffer just as much in those settings um, as they do in riding settings. And um, so well, we're really why, why is that? Like, what are what are people missing then about? So what what happens with that is basically um, instead of riding riding them, they're brought down to the river five or six times a day um, in the mornings too, when the water is cooler. They're not able to make any choices for themselves. So an elephant naturally isn't just going to go down and take a bath six six times a day, like you or I. You know, right. our, our skin would get cracked and broken and um it's something that we just don't do naturally and that the same goes for elephants mm -hmm. elephants need mud on their skin it acts as moisturizer so and and skin rep uh, mosquito repellent um and sunscreen for them too so when they're brought down to these places and and they're bathed over and over again the tourist comes in they spend a couple hours with the elephants they think they're at you know a sanctuary and then the tourist leaves the elephant goes on to a short chain. She's fed the same food over and over again. So her diet isn't balanced. Um, we see when they're in their natural habitat, they eat hundreds of species of different plants, which is just incredible seeing them uh, in the jungle. So all of these natural things that they, that it's their right, you know, their birthright to these things, um, those are taken. And then 
Um, their babies are also separated from the mothers because people want baby elephant selfies when they go to Thailand. And um, so when they're at these places, the the marketing is really good. Um, and unfortunately, that takes advantage of otherwise well-meaning tourists who don't realize that after I leave, what happens to that elephant? Um, I might have just had this fun experience that I thought was ethical, but the reality of the situation, the elephant then goes back up on the chain, very short chains that we have seen um, overnight. They're unable, their social bonds are broken, so they're unable to build those really robust social um, bonds that they have with one another. They're hugely emotional, sentient beings. Um, so we can only imagine, you know, the, the mental anguish that they feel in those situations. Um, so and, good learning and, about... And who, and who wants to take a bath with a bunch of smelly humans, right? Who are, well, and, yeah. and yeah, and then the, the elephants are going to the bathroom and the water at the same time, too. So it's really, you know, in this time of COVID-19 where we're looking at <laughs> all of this kind of stuff, like who wants to be in bath water that an elephant is going to the bathroom and, you know, and splashing it all over themselves. It's pretty disgusting. So it's a health issue as well, in addition to an ethical issue. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so these, but, these camps uh, sell themselves as, as ethical tourist destinations? Is that? Yeah. 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 I mean, you can walk around Chiang Mai and see, oh, you know, this is blah, 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 sanctuary. And they catch you, they get you because they say um, no hook, you know, no bull hook and uh, no riding. So mm -hmm. folks think that, oh, wow, this is like the real deal. You know, I'm going to go to these places. And I went in and looked and saw for myself. And um, they, in fact, are not <laughs> ethical at all. And we've actually rescued some of our elephants from these places that claim to be ethical. So, um, you know, we're, I, when I started learning about this, it was, it, we thought, you know, this is a a really big change that has to happen in, in tourism in Thailand. Um, but to do that, you have to look at kind of the bigger picture here, where um, in 1986, there were mass floods in the northern part of Thailand. And before that, elephants were used in logging operations. So when the floods happened, um, logging was legal logging was made to be illegal in Thailand. And then what people had to do, uh, the folks who own the elephants are called Karen Hill Tribe. They're an ethnic group in Thailand, and they had used elephants for centuries in making income off of their elephants through logging and other um, really community-based type work that they, local work that they use their elephants for. So all of a sudden, all of these elephants, thousands of elephants were out of work, and that's when the whole tourism industry started. Um, and, and now, you know, people started going to Thailand and say, and I still had friends before I started the foundation. Oh my gosh, you're going to Thailand. You have to go ride an elephant or you have to go bathe with, with an elephant. But this is really a direct, direct result of the, um, the ban in logging. And there wasn't any other, um, resource for people to be able to make money off of their elephants. And traditionally, that's what they did. So that's kind of how the whole tourism industry was born um, with with elephants. And since then, you know, this it's really taken off. And especially now with this whole 
um, bathing idea and, and using the words like ethical and sanctuary, they really um, do a good job at marketing those those types of places. So it's mainly elephants who were in the, the logging, who, who were used for logging, who were at now with the tourist uh, Right. Facility. And yeah, and then they're forced bred as well. So um, elephants will, the female elephants will be put in chains and um, the male, they'll forcibly mount the male on the females. And there's a really big market for baby elephants in Thailand. Um, people can make a lot of money off of selling them. So the whole genesis of this was the start the, of, of the, the population of the elephants were the ones that were doing logging. But now there's this whole breeding program as well um, in captive settings that keeps this, this industry alive kind of in this um, really they're, sad they're being bred, manner. They're being bred for what? To, 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 to be rides again in the future yeah, or for logging or will logging for, return or for riding, for riding and for places like bathing, you know, so if you go into a, a camp um, that says it's an ethical sanctuary, chances are you're going to see a, a baby elephant and that baby elephant or a younger elephant may or may not be with his or her mother. And um, eventually that elephant's going to be sold um, and that owner will end up making quite a bit of money um, off of that baby. Because um, like if you look on, hash, on, on Instagram and you search under baby elephant selfie, um, there's a really big demand for people wanting these types of pictures that they think are ethical, but they don't realize the the whole backstory in doing that, it's really detrimental to the future of elephants because it just keeps this industry alive and people don't, don't realize that yet. And, and people want to be with the babies. Is that the idea that they're, yeah, they're cute yeah. and uh, they're adorable? Cute. And, yeah. Right. Just, yep, exactly. And they're playful and um, all of those fun things. It's fun for people, but um, they just don't realize that there's a lot of pain and suffering that goes on. Um, by being with them in those types of settings. And I presume uh, that there's uh, something torturous about training for, for, for riding or for logging, right? I mean, what, uh, right. Right. what, so, what goes into that or what has So elephants, yeah, so elephants are trained. Um, so there are a variety of different techniques that that folks use um, to train elephants. You can you can look up online. It's called the Pajan, um, which is the training process that um, has kind of been uh, almost exploited in a way that it's this extremely cruel, terrible thing that these elephants go through. Um, in a perfect world, a Never Forget Elephant Foundation wouldn't exist. In a perfect world, we wouldn't have any captive elephants. Um, the reality of the situation is it's a very complicated situation in Thailand. There isn't enough room for elephants to, um, to live naturally. They have to be able to take commands in some, some form because if, we ju if you just let the elephants go, they're going to wander onto roadways. They're going to be shot by um, farmers because the far they'll go onto farmers' land. And there are, there are a lot of issues surrounding um, not being able to just let elephants go. Um, in terms of training for elephants, there's a wide variety of training techniques that are used. 
Um, I know that there are a lot of programs in Thailand that are turning into uh, really promoting um, more, uh, less cruel um, activities and and more uh, positive reinforcement training techniques um, that aren't these old barbaric things that that folks think that that's how you train an elephant. That's not how you train an elephant always. So it really depends on the situation um, and it depends on the, the elephant. And um, but when an elephant is born into captivity, that elephant does have to go through some sort of training. And it's really for his or her safety. And it's for the safety of the handler as well. And again, in a perfect world, you and I wouldn't even be having this conversation today, you know, if we could, as humans, be able to coexist with wild elephants and not have any captive elephants. That's the ultimate goal. Um, But what we're trying to do at Never Forget is to show up with a more compassion forward approach in um, having captive elephants, but allowing them to have their space respecting them and um, giving them a life that they that they intend to live nature intends for them to live in the jungle um, so it's kind of a long answer to your question because it is a complicated issue as you can hear but um, the training will it, it varies um, and just they're good trainers and bad trainers um, but again we wish we didn't have to train elephants at all but this right. is it's a complicated situation in Thailand. Yeah, this is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, and today we're talking to Ava Lalancet, the founder and executive director of Never Forget Elephant Foundation in Thailand. So, um, so you you had this idea to have this uh, sanctuary, uh, and what you you located the land, you located finances, and then how did you locate? Uh, uh, elephants to rescue who right yes that's a good really good question so in january 2019 um we met our project director he was working for another organization at the time and and he said to me and i was over in thailand i think for three weeks or something and yo said to me hey ava do you want to go out to uh this village that's about five hours outside of chiang mai and see about helping some elephants so I load into the car with Maria, who's now the president of our board, and we go out there and we just, the people are just unbelievably generous. And, you know, by our standards, they don't have material things, but they have been, they give way more. um, They're just wonderful people. So we went out there and um, just really connected with the local community. I started really diving into the problems that they had with their with owning their elephants. Um, these people want their elephants home in the jungle because they know that that's where they're healthiest, both uh, mentally and physically. And there isn't any other there at the time, there wasn't any other opportunity for them to bring them home. So what they traditionally have done and since since the logging was banned is they lease them out to different camps and, um, and then they get a small percentage of what the camp makes. Um, they lease out their elephant and then they get paid monthly from the camp owner. They oftentimes have to spend a lot of time away from their families by going into the cities to check on their elephants. Um, these people love their elephants and that, that first trip, it really was eye opening for me to, 
see how much they really care. And there wasn't any other solution at the time. And Maria and I kind of looked at each other and we're like, I guess we're going to do something (laughs) to help them. And there were seven elephants at the time um, who were in uh, really immediate need of help. And I thought, okay, maybe, you know, we'll donate a few thousand dollars a year and come back and help them. I had no intention of setting up a nonprofit. I actually got home to Seattle and went to the bookstore and picked up nonprofit for dummies. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, this is just kind of morphed into this really beautiful um, community-based approach where we are not only focused on the elephants, but also on the, it's really a human rights issue as well in our village. They, they don't have access to healthcare like we do. Same thing with education. We want to start a, a scholarship program to send kids to university eventually. So our program really looks at the overall issues that elephants belong to nature. They, they belong in the jungle. They eat about 16 to 20 hours every day. And <laughs> it's similar just, to me. I, I guess yeah. I'm an herbivore. Okay. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, they're, they're, I always say like the girls are a girl after my own heart because, uh, <laughs> with a good appetite. I, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> Um, and they're constantly moving. And so as a keystone species, they play a really important role in the health of the jungle, too. Um, and so part of our pro- program in bringing them home not only helps the elephants, it helps the community, and then it also helps the um, environment and the ecosystem. Um, so it's really a win-win-win um, for everyone. So How are you saying it helps the ecosystem? Because elephants are um, are what's called a keystone species, so having them in the in the ecosystem, so back in the jungle, they play a really important role. So, for example, they will eat um, certain plants that won't um, decompose or, or biodegrade, if you will, in won't digest um, like others. And when they and when they poo that out, they carry seeds in what they eat. So they will disperse seeds around the jungle um, of certain plants that are needed in different areas. They'll knock down trees. And what happens when they knock down trees is they'll eat some leaves. And then that tree will play as a, it'll be a home for smaller animals like mice and um, rats or snakes and that kind of stuff under trees. Um, Then it decomposes and it goes into the soil And, um, you know, it's this whole they play a very important role in the overall health of the ecosystem. So we say, you know, no more forests means no more elephants. So a big problem in Thailand is they cut down the forest so they can farm and they farm a lot of corn, which goes to feed animals that they eat. Um, And it's devastating to see this because we want the forest intact so we can help more elephants. This is their jungle home in addition to thousands of other species of animals that need to be living in the jungle. Mm-hmm. So having them in the jungle is really important for the health of the ecosystem. Right. So that's and, and really worldwide, the main problem is animal agriculture when it comes to deforestation. Yes. So, um, yep, exactly. And, and yep. When, when I first uh, was in touch with one of your team members, I believe one of the 
selling points for me was that uh, you're a sanctuary that's uh, run by a bunch of vegans. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's the right. I don't know if it's yeah. the right collective noun. Is it that. A herd yeah. of vegans or flock of vegans or <laughs> pack of vegans? But uh, um, that's. Uh, well, I mean, how can you not be a, a a bunch of vegans if you're really concerned for the environment? Um, right. There was, there was a study out of Oxford University not too long ago from Joseph Poor, and he said that if we were all to go vegan, we would transform the world, and it, it would free mm-hmm. it would free land the size of Africa for mm-hmm. reforestation and species recovery. So yeah. Yep. Um, Yep. It's just amazing. And that's part of what we want to do eventually is we have the land that we lease from our local community and our we we're in a village of about 200 families. And what we eventually want to do is to work with the government in securing more land um, and protecting that land from deforestation and farming. So what we do at our project is folks can come visit us in non-COVID times. And um, but we we support local organic farming um, in the area. And the reason, you know, obviously we want to eat organic, but there's a whole reason behind that. And that's to not support big business and to support the, the folks who are really doing it the right way, because they can really easily take a deal from you know, the, the big chemical farmers and say, okay, I'm going to go farm, chem, do chemical farming. Uh, I might may, my yields may be bigger, um, but they don't want to be doing that. So they're just as exploited, you know, as, as the animals are too. So what we do is we really focus on, on how we make our choices and the, the choices that we make and how they impact others. Um, so we really focus on that organic piece too yeah. um and and you, you know you're saying something locally that is actually uh, the global challenge when you say that uh, the forest is being cut down to grow corn mm-hmm. to feed animals that's that's deforestation right there either animals are right. grazing or corn or soy usually gmo are being right. grown to to feed animals so right uh, right and so animal agriculture is the number one cause of climate change and deforestation and resource depletion and water scarcity, just everything that's uh, wrong with the world, you know? Right. So, right. Um, yeah. So, it's, go ahead. Yep. Go, oh, I was just going to mention, you know, we've been out uh, hiking way, you know, a long distance away from our project. And I've literally been choking being across from fields that have being sprayed and everyone's wearing respirators and they're in full plastic. So, you can only imagine, you know, if the, what's happening to those humans who are exploited by these big companies. And then in turn, that's then fed to animals and the, the devastating effect it has not only on our environment there, but also on the animals and ultimately the people who eat those animals. You know, it's the whole picture of everything. It's really devastating. Like, like everything that's wrong with the world uh, right. is from uh, eating uh, meat, dairy, fish, and eggs, basically. Right. Yep. From yep. personal health to uh, the environment to the animals, of course. And right. uh, So um, the elephants who are residents there now, they they all suffered in some way in in industry circuses too? Or, right, uh, yes. Yep, we, had, we have some... Um, who were in circuses. We had two who were in um, kind of a traveling circus type setup where um, if you were a tourist and you go into the city and you go to kind of a, a circus type show, 
she would be there with a bunch of bananas on her back and you pay to feed her bananas. So if you can imagine just eating the same food over and over again. So when they're in these settings, they don't get the diversity and the variety of the nutrients that they need. So um, I should so eat you'd something pay... besides chocolate cupcakes, you're telling me. Okay. <laughs> yes. All right. I'll, yes. I'll have to vary my diet a little bit too. Eat some plants and spread some seeds around. Right. Right. Yep. So. Yep. So, and, and that's one thing that we see too is uh, luckily the, the elephants we have rescued um, did have, have compromised health status when we did rescue them. No one had any um, eye issues. No one ha has gone blind or anything. But what we have seen in captive settings is that when they're eating a lot of sugar, they'll eat tons of sugar cane as well. It's another way of the camp owner to make money or the circus owner to make money is if I sell sugar cane, I'm going to sell it for 100 baht or whatever it is the Thai um, that's what the the Thai dollar is and um, it's just another way for them to make money and we don't realize that it's the same thing for us you know if we just sat around and ate chocolate cupcakes <laughs> all day long um, we're eventually going to develop a lot of diabetes we're going to have a lot of blindness eventually there are going to be a lot of different health issues so it's the same thing for for elephants so so have there been health issues there and 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 how have you addressed them and yeah yeah so a lot of our elephants um had a lot of skin problems because uh, the majority were at, at these bathing programs um where they'd go down five or six times a day they'd be put on the chain and then they're fed the gmo corn bananas all of that kind of stuff that we've talked about um and they they were just kind of like a shell of themselves um and and I remember when we first brought we brought back our first elephants last March, um, Maytel Poe. She's one of our tallest elephants. We call her the supermodel of all elephants because she has very long legs and she's just stunning. And um, she was really splotchy. She wasn't really herself. Um, she didn't now being around her and and her confidence. It's she knows she's home. And I, I don't you know, we have no idea what they're thinking, but. Um, every elephant is different and each one is an individual and has different emotional trauma and physical trauma as well. We've had a couple of our girls who have had their babies taken from them and sold, um, before we got them. And, um, we rescued, um, one of our girls last year, Mopuna, um, in July, because we knew that she was pregnant. Um, and same thing in our latest rescues, we just rescued four elephants in March and um, Meja, she's pregnant as well. And it was really important for us to make sure that she gets home and into the jungle and is able to raise her baby as nature intends. Mm -hmm. So um, each elephant really has, it's a different, has a different health status. Legally, we have to have the Thai government, uh, the vets come out twice a year and they're checked. They're, they also, um, captive elephants are also microchipped, like our dog, dog or cat at home. Um, so they're, they're scanned, they're checked, they do a full health assessment. Um, and then if anything comes up, um, knock on wood, we haven't had anything so far. But if there were other things, you know, if they needed urgent vet attention, we would obviously have that have them looked at um, straight away. 
So how has the pandemic affected you? I mean, are donations down or uh, you used to have regular, regular, a regular visitor program or. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were really just getting kicked off. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So the pandemic really had a, it was such a bummer that the timing of everything. So we opened our doors Last December. Pandemics never happen at the right time. No, So inconvenient. They really are. Um, so we opened our doors in December 2019. And we were open uh, January, and, uh, the last week of December, and then January and February. Um, and, and then into early March. And that's when everything started hitting. And we had to um, close. I left Thailand on March 19, I think it was. And um, and so we had to reschedule everyone for we're, we're going to be opening. We hope we're going to be able to open in November 2021. Um, so what we offer is uh, you, you seven broke days. Up, you broke day. up a little there. You said you hope oh. to reopen when? In uh, November 2021. Wow, that is that seems um, so far away. I know. Um can't be done part, earlier, you don't think? or Well, part of the reason is we are closed um, each year, June through October, because it's the rainy season. Oh. Um, and so we don't, we're not going to be able to reopen before June, just erring on the side of being um, conservative. And the other thing is, too, is because we are in such a small village that's very remote, we don't want to bring anything in. It would really have a, a big impact on the health of our community, which is really important to us. So we're really erring on the side of caution here. Um, and uh, so that's part of the reason why we were opening next November. Um, so what we did is we've rescheduled everyone um, and and we offer a seven day, six night stay with us. You can stay in traditional bamboo style um, huts that We've actually pulled out all of the building materials from the from the um, jungle. Um, we've tried to not use many nails and and that kind of stuff. Really, we have a really um, big focus on sustainability and being eco friendly. Uh, we also offer a yoga program, so we hosted a number of yoga retreats earlier this year before we closed. Um, so, if folks are interested in yoga, we have a dedicated yoga and meditation area that's um, on the outskirts of our project, which is really beautiful. Um, so we, we have three, day, three meals per day, obviously all vegan, and um, daily we get to go out and hike with the elephants in the jungle, really experience them as nature intends. They, they're free roaming, um, so we, we go out and we hike with them, and they do their thing, and we just observe, and uh, we do not do any types of bathing or feeding or anything like that. This is truly an ethical um, experience for them. And then we also have a community service program where we spend time at the school. We teach English and we learn Karen. Um, they speak Karen, the language. Um, so it's really it's really a special week for people. Um, and it a lot of beautiful. Pe- I mean, I looked at your website and it yeah. really looks looks beautiful like why why am i not there Uh. (laughs) it's quite special and um and then at night we spend time around the fire too and it's just a really you know we really believe in really getting back to our roots 
just getting into the earth and um, connecting with each other and getting out of kind of all the noise of the Western world. And, and uh, we have small group sizes. So it's really a, a fun, intimate experience. And, and a yoga retreat, too, at times, or is that yes. part of, part of yep. the stay? That's right. right. So okay. yoga teachers will bring their students over and um, practice yoga once or twice a day. We, we design custom schedules with our yoga teachers. And um, so that's a really, folks have loved that. We go up on top of the mountain. There's a beautiful uh, temple at the top of the mountain where we can practice yoga outside of there as well. Um, so yeah, the yoga program is a is another um, area that that's available too if if people are interested in that. Mm-hmm. But there are fourteen elephants there now, right? So. That's right. Yeah, we have fourteen elephants, soon to be fifteen. Um, and uh, you know, an elephant's gestation period is twenty to twenty four months. And I I talk with our team on the ground uh, just about every night, and I'm checking on May Jaw. And uh, how is Mei Jaw doing? You know, when is she going to give birth? And no one really knows for sure. Um, so we have 14 now and, and soon to be hopefully a, another um, young and or baby that will be healthy and um, and all will be OK with with her birth. And, and so you need donations. I mean, you're not going to have any visitors until uh, next November, yeah. November 2021. Right. Right. So yes. How, are, how are we going? How do we keep going? Yeah, that's it. Thank you for asking. So actually right now we're running um, an apparel fundraiser. All of that information is up on the news area of our website. We just put that up last night. It's also on our social media. Um, so that's one way for us to um, to help bring some resources in. Uh, What's our, the we website? Have a, it's neverforgetelephantfoundation.org is our website. And um, our social media is linked on there, too. You can find us on Instagram and on Facebook and also on YouTube. Uh, we just started our first YouTube channel, so we're in the process of building that out. Um, so you can find our apparel fundraiser if you want to pick up a shirt or a sweatshirt, something like that. Um, in that, in that fundraiser and, um, really, you know, every little bit helps us right now. We're really focused on, on building a global community. And, and through that, uh, we have a monthly giving program, um, even $5 a month really helps us. Uh, we're so appreciative of folks who consider, um, to help. And then once we open, once people are, are thinking about traveling again, we'd love to, um, start scheduling bookings again starting in November 2021. So that's also another option that, well, that things, can really help us right be, now too. Things should be back to, to abnormal normal by then, I hope. Uh, uh, I hope so, November 2021, yes. unless these vaccine producers and, come out with another virus or something that they want to yeah, spread around. Right, and, so. and we're, you know, we're really, we're actually getting quite booked up. Um, November, December, January, February of 2022 um, we're we're f- fully booked in January 2022 right now. So if folks are, you know, you want to have something to look forward to once we get over the hump and um, and and come spend time with elephants in a truly ethical way, off the beaten path, uh, we'd love to have you in uh, Northern Thailand. Oh, that sounds that sounds great. So yeah. so who came up with the name Never Forget Elephant? 
you know, we 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 were we looked at homestay elephants. We just we thought it was um, we actually did this. I did a poll on my Instagram <laughs> in, in January 2019. I think we had homeward bound was one of our options. And the part of the reason we, we chose never forget is because obviously there's a saying that an elephant never forgets, but it also is to pay respect and uh, to, to what they have experienced. Uh, we don't forget what they have gone through at the hands of man. And um, we respect that what, what has happened and we look forward to a brighter future for them. And we honor, you know, the pain and suffering that they have felt um, and, and look forward to a brighter future. So that's why we chose the, yeah, uh, very, the name Never Very forget. cool name. I guess if I if I ever open my elephant sanctuary, I'll have to call it. Uh, <laughs> please try to forget. I know you. I know you can't, but please try to forget. Right. Uh, right. Or forgive and forget. Or you yeah. Know, I don't know. Yeah. I, don't, you know, I, I guess uh, they're probably more forgiving than uh, humans are, even though they. Well, and don't that's forget, one right? thing. Yeah, and and elephants, they have made me a better person. I they just have you know they could easily with one swing of their trunk kill you and and they choose love and compassion they welcome us into their home and um they really have inspired me to be a better person and that's what our visitors have said too it's really a spiritual experience being around an elephant um they have a lot of wisdom and there's something else going on with them um that i can't quite put my finger on that really is special and um gives me chills as I even talk about it. So it, it, in that, in that essence of never forget, you know, we, we want to honor what they have felt and, um, and, and move forward with compassion and love just as they have for us and the forgiveness that they have shown us is just tremendous. So, um, they're pretty, pretty special to be around for sure. And, and it's a, a name of a foundation, so if you want to make a donation, you probably won't forget it. Right. It is, it is <laughs> never forget the name of the uh, foundation to help the elephants. And uh, I hope that people don't forget that the uh, best way to um, save habitat, you know, uh, is to go vegan. I mean, that's uh, what's most destructive yep. about the world, and we have the mass extinction going on. And uh, that same Oxford University study said that uh, the only way to stop mass extinction is for us to go vegan because, I mean, you know, animal agriculture just destroys uh, uh, habitat. So Yeah, uh, that's right. So, well, thanks for what you're doing. It really touches my heart, Ava, and I hope that people will reach out and help and send a donation and make plans to, to visit Thank you there. You. So. Yeah. So thank you so much for having us on. Really appreciate it. My pleasure indeed. And once again, how can they contact you? Never forget elephantfoundation.org. And we're also on uh, Instagram and Facebook and YouTube if you search for Never Forget Elephant Foundation. Okay. We'll remember. Okay. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Ava. Great talking to you. Thanks today. so much, Bob. Okay. Yeah, you too. Take okay. care. Thank okay. you. Bye bye.
right, we continue now on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com, where you can make a tax-deductible donation. Click the donate button there. You can support us through Patreon. Um, we're on Facebook at Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, and Twitter at Go Vegan Radio. At least we're there until the censors decide. Well, you know, when it comes right down to it, um, the World Health Organization and uh, you know, you had uh, uh, Goebbels, at, I mean, uh, Google at one point um, saying that it would only post official advice from the World Health Organization and wouldn't uh, post such, uh, you know, zaniness as uh, using vitamin C or zinc or anything. Just the official word from the World Health Organization. And uh, in fact, a number of uh, physicians were censored from Facebook, Google, and uh, Twitter. And so, um, <laughs> pretty, pretty amazing that uh, that would uh, that, that, that would be the case, um, that physicians are being censored. So, uh, then I, I would like to uh, play, uh, play censorship, uh, the censorship game, with uh, Google and, uh, you know, with YouTube, basically. So YouTube wasn't going to show anything that wasn't like the official word from the World Health Organization. But do you know that the World Health Organization has uh, classified processed meats as a carcinogen and says that red meat is probably a carcinogen? But processed meats are definitely... A carcinogen. That means, you know, sausage and ham and bacon and salami and all those deli slices by decree of the World Health Organization are all carcinogens. So I now demand that uh, YouTube and Google and Facebook and uh, Twitter, Goebbels and Fascist Book and Twitter, all of them um, should now censor anything favorable about the consumption of processed meats and uh, red meat. Um, I guess that would be a good start, a good start for proper censorship, the proper Gandhi, as opposed to the, you know, propaganda. Anyway, um, I do want to thank Evolution Vegan Dog and Cat Food for its support of Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. This is a family-owned business in Minnesota. It's been around for about 30 years. Not one product recall on the dog and cat food. By the way, Evolution has vegan dog and cat treats that you can order also at PetFoodShop.com, and there are also discounts available, especially if you're having some hard times with the coronavirus. Uh, I'm, sure, uh, I'm sure you can get a break by calling Eric Weissman at 651-492-2190, 651-492-2190, that's Evolution Vegan Dog and Cat Food, for all stages of life. There's an organic line, uh, no chemical preservatives or mold inhibitors, which are carcinogenic. And again, discounts for first-time customers 
and uh, discounts if uh, on your uh, if you order on the first Tuesday of the month. So that number again six five one four nine two two one nine zero petfoodshop dot com and uh, just wanted to mention that just such a strange story. The world has is just such a crazy place. To, uh, did you see? Well, here's the headline. I'll, I'll even go to uh, the mainstream media for this story. Um, and so, you know, 50-50 chance what I'm about to tell you is true here. So this is from NPR. Uh, the headline is Ukraine hostage standoff ends after president agrees to promote Joaquin Phoenix film. And uh, the story goes... Quote, a hostage standoff on a bus in western Ukraine ended Tuesday after a bizarre demand from the captor was met when the country's president publicly recommended a 15-year-old animal rights documentary narrated by Joaquin Phoenix. Just before the end of the 12-hour standoff in Lutsk, a city located some 250 miles west of Kiev, uh, President uh, Zelensky posted a video clip to his Facebook page stating everyone should watch the 2005 film Earthlings. Who says there was no quid pro quo in uh, the Ukraine? Here you have it, right there. Uh, <laughs> it says the, the post has since been deleted. But, uh, hey, the Wayback Machine, and, you know, it's, uh, there it was. The president said everyone should watch the 2005 film Earthlings. The 13 hostages were all released unharmed, authorities said. Initial reports had placed the number of captives at 20. During the prolonged standoff, the gunman threw a grenade from the bus and fired shots at police. They said the state uh, security services, SBU, identified the hostage taker as Makesson Kravovsky. Uh, can I buy a vowel or two or three? I think uh, the Ukrainian language needs to buy some vowels. He's uh, 44. He had previously served time in prison for extremist views. Uh, uh, I hope he didn't get those views by listening to Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden or, or listening to the interview I did with Sean Monson, the uh, producer of Earthlings so many years ago. Uh, <laughs> Interior Minister Arsen Avakov, now there's a person who, who could sell a vowel or two, uh, described uh, an unstable man who painted his vision of the world and invented a revenge for it. Well, doesn't that just sound like this this here radio show that I do? <laughs> oh, I shouldn't say that. Um, and it's, it's not really revenge. I'm just asking people to go vegan. That If everyone were to go vegan, oh, that would be the sweetest revenge. Good revenge. Happy revenge for everyone. Um, what did it say here? Uh, he had his own vision of justice and the value of human life. 
the interior minister said. No, again, he's not talking about this radio show or this podcast. Um, it says here, and then again, you know, I mean, if if you come right down to it, of course, uh, you know, all the sane people really should be in the asylums. And, you know, how, how do you maintain sanity in such a crazy world when when we herbivores, billions of herbivores are eating meat, dairy, fish, and eggs and dining on violence and destruction of the planet. And how, how does one stay sane? Um, and, um, you know, that would be justice. When, when it finally comes down to it, if we ever work things out among us humans, uh, we'll still have to find no justice, no peace, and there's no justice in the violence and killing animals for uh, to eat their bodies or their secretions. Eventually, it's going to come down to uh, we find peace when there's the justice of veganism, and we vegans do value human life, and would look not we we're, we're protecting against extinction of humans. You know, I mean, at the rate we're going, yeah, you know, who knows? And uh, prevention of heart disease, cancer, stroke, diabetes, reversal of those diseases. Um, yeah, so watch Earthlings, watch Earthlings. Uh, back to this article here from uh, NPR. According to Reuters, the gunman in posts on social media had threatened to bomb a crowded place and demanded that senior Ukrainian officials publish statements acknowledging that they were terrorists. He eventually agreed to release his captives following a 15-minute telephone call with Zelensky, uh, the president's uh, deputy chief, chief of staff uh, told reporters. After the standoff ended, Zelensky um, hailed law enforcement officers for saving the hostages. And then he said, quote, human life is the most important value, he said on Facebook. Now families can finally hug their relatives who spent the entire day on the bus in anguish. So, um, and yes, human life is so valuable that we ask you to go vegan. Uh, all right, well, that will just about do it for uh, this time. And I want to thank you for listening. Again, it would be greatly appreciated if you supported us with a tax-deductible donation uh, at GoVeganRadio.com, where you can find uh, over 600 shows archived. Again, this is the first vegan talk show ever. We started back in 2001, the first vegan talk show in mainstream media. In 2001, we started on KRLA in Los Angeles and uh, shortly thereafter added San Francisco stations, KYCY, we were on Green 960, and the Air America Radio Network, yes, that liberal network, and then GCN, uh, the network that carries Alex Jones, and we were on uh, conservative stations in um, Orange County. So, uh, so we're, we're, you know, we're, we're uh, nonpartisan here, we don't want to offend half the audience, <laughs> so uh, we don't worry. We agree with everything 
um, that, that you think and we uh, disagree with everything uh, that you don't think. Uh, all we ask is that you 